My guest today is Colin Campbell here to talk about his review of Civilization Beyond Earth. I'm Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Welcome. Thank you so much for, for joining me here. It's your first time. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is. I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited too. I always have to talk to Americans and it gets to be a bummer. <laughs> a little variety. Um, Civilization Beyond Earth. You're you're a, a longtime Civ fan, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I, I remember downloading uh, a demo for Civ 2 in like 1996 on, on my then PC and just completely falling in love and buying it and then playing it endlessly for months if not years and I've bought every game since and although Civ 5 was something of a departure with a hex-based combat system uh, fairly controversial I'm a huge huge fan of it and it came out in 2010 and I'm still playing it now so Beyond Earth was uh, you know a matter of some excitement to me. Uh, I think Civ is daunting for a lot of people um, even more than some other strategy type games uh uh people who haven't sort of grown up with the franchise do you think civilization beyond earth is a is a good entry point for for people like that who who maybe haven't gotten on board before i don't think it's any better or worse than than the the core civilization 5 game as an entry point because it is a complicated world you know you're running an entire civilization and you're building an entire civilization and there are lots of different components to that but i will say that firaxis does a good job of hand-holding uh, you through the process. So so if you just come to uh, to it with the view that you know, I'm going to learn this game, I'm going to enjoy this game, you'll figure it out pretty quickly. Uh, so, so And the systems become second nature. It's, the one thing about Firaxis and about this game that I really like is they understand systems, they understand design. These are extremely clever people. And they, they put together all these different working whirring modules and that lock together in very clever ways so that the health of your people somehow locks into how quickly you can build buildings and that locks into how smart and how tough your soldiers are and that locks into the relationships that you have with ai enemies and the whole thing fits together extremely convincingly so so even though what you're playing is this vast spreadsheet it feels like you're creating a civilization you say in your review that typically you prefer uh, historical fiction to, to science fiction. Um, how did that sort of change, or, or how did you sort of appreciate the aesthetic of uh, Beyond Earth as as you played? Yeah, I I I, I, I love the the thing about the civilization worlds that I love is that, is that you feel as if you're playing history, and as someone who likes history, I enjoy that. Obviously, it's a sort of ersatz gamified version of history but the idea that that you know i'm working my way through the renaissance or or through the 19th century te- technological revolution is always fun so when this game turned up i was a little bit skeptical i was like well i'll play it because it's a civ game but i'm less interested in the sort of arthur c clark type version of of future worlds and yet even though they have cribbed tons and tons of sci-fi uh, ideas and tropes and cliches even they've put it together in such a way that it feels like uh, it feels like what it is it feels like the story of human beings going to another planet 
fighting each other for resources, fighting native aliens for resources, and figuring out how best to survive. And the one thing about this game that's worth noting, if you are a Civ Five fan, this is tougher. It's much tougher to get going from the very beginning. And when you land, it's really not so much a game about how can I expand as quickly as possible, it's about how can I survive. Um, one of the things that I get a big kick out of in the in the Civ games in my limited time with them is the presence of like recognizable historical figures uh, that pop up. You know, you find yourself in a war with with Gandhi or, or whatever. Uh, user Bunny Wraith asked uh, if there's a space Gandhi, and since I'm assuming there is not a space Gandhi, uh, how how did the lack of like recognizable historical figures uh, it, did that detract anything from the experience? Well, I find the, the the figures, the AIs, pretty distracting in the first place. It's, it's, it, I was just reading the Eurogame review, and Chris Donnell makes the point that you've always got to remember that, that this this is, a, this is a computer representing a human being, which which you know even here in 2014 is actually a very difficult thing to pull off, and they pull it off pretty well. But you know we're very used to human beings, so when they act in ways that are a bit strange and a bit mad, then we notice, and and it, that is certainly the case here. I think they've rounded off some of the AI edges, but they're still a bit annoying, a bit crazy. I liked the characters themselves, the way that they've been formulated. You've got this this sort of South American militaristic character. You've got this slightly hippy drippy uh, Indian subcontinent character, and you've got the very scientific. Um, uh, American characters, so so they do have these personalities that you can you can identify with, which is useful because part of the game is creating your own personality. You've got these these affinities that you choose, and they they not only represent your version of the world. I mean, for example, I'm an immigrant in the United States. I live in a, a the sort of hippie commune of Santa Cruz, California. So clearly, I'm going to pick the the person who comes to the planet and tries to get along with all the things that are there. To, allows the new culture to subsume him, uh, but the other other affinities are, say, militaristic or they they glory in humanity's history. And so, when you come up against those, that adds to the friction. And and I actually felt it I, when they had the characters looking down their noses at me, kind of calling me names for being a hippie. Basically, I was sort of sneering at them for being warmongers or or or, or for being far too much enthralled to their glorious uh, human past so it's so, basically so, like twitter right now <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're, they're very polarizing in that sense yeah and i think that there is some clever stuff going on there where you get these options throughout the game let's say that you you find a new uh, science scientific discovery or you build a new building they'll give you these uh, uh, binary choices and at first i thought i'm going to find these pretty tiring very very quickly but actually they're interesting. They ask you to make to not just make a decision strategically or tactically about what you want out of the game, but to ask yourself questions about how you would treat aliens if you landed on a new planet, or how you you know whether you want to spend your resources on your military units or on your civilian units. Things that kind of say stuff about yourself. We have a ton of great questions from listeners, so I want to get to those because there's a lot to talk about here. Andrew asks. Does the number of factions or civilizations feel limiting? Launching with only eight unique civilizations, did you feel limited in terms of picking your own civ with accompanying civilization bonuses? 
and or de- did diplomacy with a fixed number of rivals become stale after multiple games? Yeah, I, it hadn't come stale for me yet, but I can imagine it, it, it will do. And I, I hope that uh, Firaxis will do what Firaxis almost always does, which is to add add-ons and new civilizations. Uh, eight is a small number, uh, and I think that's a, that's a really good point that that, that reader made. Uh, Jacob asks, sort of connected to that, in your review, you mentioned uh, that the end game can become kind of a chore. Does Beyond Earth seem like a game prep for expansions? And is this one area you could see an expansion targeting, similar to how Brave New World targeted the tedium and comparative weakness of culture in Civ Five? Yeah, I think I think they've tried to make the end game more interesting because there are lots of different uh, scenarios for winning the game, and you can uh, you can you know you can try to win it militarily, which is actually pretty difficult, much more difficult than in Civilization Five, or you can follow a set pattern of tasks and chores uh, and quests to, to win the game and do those quicker than your rivals. So that does sort of take away the, the tedium of just running this huge empire. But I think it's a problem more to do with strategy games as a whole. You know, any game that lasts 10, 12, 15 hours is going to have that problem towards the end of the game. And I, I think it's not so much a problem that can be solved with expansions as with just video game design as, as a big issue. Uh, question from Matt. What's it like reviewing a game like this? How many games do you play? Do you try different strategies and win conditions, or do you just try to play naturally? Uh, I, I try to play different strategies and win conditions, and actually it's quite difficult because because I'm used to playing Civilization Five and I'm used to trying to win. It's really weird to play the game and do things that you know are stupid or that you suspect are stupid in order to see what happens. And so some of the times I was playing in such a way that I was deliberately antagonising my neighbours, which I don't normally do, and, and other times uh, I, I was... I was just being super peaceful which is the way I would normally play but after a, a while I, I started to just play my natural own game because I wanted to to play it as I would do if I'd gone out and spent $50 on the game and and, and, and even though I was playing sort of lots of short games to begin with I ended up playing kind of less big games which is the way that I normally play uh, uh question from Alex. You mentioned that winning feels more like an act of creativity than merely conquest. I've always found Civ mechanically satisfying, but often felt like I was following one of a few prescribed paths rather than actually creating something new and distinctive. Did that act of creativity make the building of your civilization feel more like a personal creation? Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that's a great question. One of the things that we were shown quite early on uh, when they were previewing this game was the tech web so that instead of going along this line and choosing technologies that you wanted to choose I and mean, you had some options about the path that you would follow but generally speaking anyone who's played a few times will pick the same path after a while in order to get to their favorite uh, their, their favorite creations but with the tech web because of the, uh, the the complexity of it because of the affinities that you want to you want to get because there are lots of different scenarios going on i i hadn't yet or i haven't yet got into a situation where i'm following a path so that every single time that i played i ended up with really quite different collections of technologies and the buildings and the units that they infer so at this point i would say it's much more likely to create a sort of minecraft like world where each one is different from the one that you made before uh question from sean I read Colin's review this morning, and I noticed there wasn't any talk of multiplayer. As someone who's played 500-plus hours of Civ Five, I can't deny that I love the game, but for the longest time, the multiplayer was and might still be an absolute mess. For a while after launch, you couldn't save online matches. Oftentimes, people couldn't connect to the games, people would get dropped from games, and random freezes to crashes to the desktop. Is there even a multiplayer element to this game? 
there isn't a multiplayer element and I didn't go near it because the game isn't out yet and so we couldn't really test that with any other players. I haven't really played multiplayer in Civilization V. I find it a bit odd, this idea of playing multiplayer in, in turn-based strategy games, but I must profess pretty much ignorance on this and it's something we should look into. Uh- Here's my my last question for you. Obviously, you spend uh, you have spent a a sizable chunk of your free time playing Civilization Five. Um, is this uh, beyond Earth? Is this going to when you're when you're deciding how you're going to spend some free time? Is this something you're going to turn to instead of Civilization Five, which is still a fairly I mean it's a modern game still. Um, how will you choose between the two when you decide you want to sit down and play something for yourself? Well, personally speaking, I've been trying to cut down on my Civilization V time because you know it's my job to play games and I need to play as many different games as possible. Uh, I think that I probably would now, for the foreseeable future, be playing more Beyond Earth because I really like the systems that they've brought in, the simplification of the game. They've gotten rid of a lot of stuff that in retrospect is actually kind of annoying, like you know the happiness thing where you have to go out and get lots of uh, luxury resources. When you, when, they, when you take that away, you start to wonder why they had it there in the first place, and they've replaced it with a much more simple system, stuff like having to uh, manually upgrade each military unit when it gets past its due date, you know, when it, when it becomes out of date, so that you don't have archers hanging around in the 20th century. Uh, and, and other things like golden ages and great persons, they've got rid of those things. And, and I actually quite like the extra simplicity of this game. I mean, you know, with civilization games, you, you can get to sort of 500 hours and say to yourself oh actually I, I was i was wrong about that it's become quite boring but i haven't got to that point yet what would you say there i asked a similar question to this of the developers of this back when you and i interviewed them at e3 um and and so i want to put it to you now that you've spent some time with it um with civilization typically you're working from uh, a sort of established history um but with Beyond Earth, you're able to, as a developer, able to kind of create whatever uh, universe you can imagine. Would you say there's a a specific outlook on the universe that that informs this game? Is there is there a, 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 a an optimistic perspective on humanity's chances in space or or, or space itself? Or what 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 is the the the, uh, the palette that they're working with here? I would say from playing the game, there's there's two things. There's an optimism about science and technology, which is sort of what you would expect a bunch of engineers to come away with, uh, but also a scepticism about humanity's ability to handle those technologies. And, there, and it's certainly this game isn't gung-ho about humanity's right to just land on a planet and start exploiting it and destroying everything there. It's not completely uh, heavy-handedly giving you a message of peace and love to all alien creatures but it's certainly got this idea that you, you know you need to think about the way that that, that you behave as a, as a as an individual in the universe and I, and I think that's laudable I think that's interesting Colin thank you so much for joining me and thank you to you for uh, listening to the show uh, if you get it the second you want to subscribe to us on iTunes or leave a rating or review we'd sure appreciate that. Uh, if you got questions for one of our reviewers, you can send them to qualitycontrolpolygon.com. Uh, until next time, for Colin Campbell, I'm Justin McElroy, and thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control.